Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, this is Gillian C., and you're listening to the RPG Show. Listen up. See you in Kobe. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Welcome to this episode of the RPG Show. This is a show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. And with me today, I have not one, but two excellent people to sit here and talk about this game with me. First, I have Nick Crest of the Little Bitch Gantner. What's happening, man? Hey, fuck you, buddy. Um, <laughs> maybe later. All right, next up, we have Kevin, yet another school-based game. Kajowski, what's happening, brother? What's up? I love school. God, I just back to back with these school-based games. What is what is happening with my life? So it is what it is. I I did not expect like a school setting out of a Fire Emblem game, but it's what I got. So it is what it is. All right. So if you're new here, what we do is we typically take a game, and we break it down into a few categories, and we talk about it and give it a score, one through five. We do allow half scores because Nick fucked it up way early on, and those categories are gameplay, story, visuals, music, overall experience, extra content, and yeah, like I said, we score them. That's what we do because that's who we are. That's what's up. Yep, and today we're talking about Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch. Isn't that right, gentlemen? That's right. Apparently. Well, you know, I do the best I can. Do the best I can. And first, as always, we have gameplay. Okay, that's that's what we that's what we generally talk about first is gameplay. Before we get there, um, let's just talk about a little bit of our history of Fire Emblem. Um, before we get going, I am a huge Fire Emblem fan. Played them all. And I can't say I love them all, but I am typically a big fan of uh, Fire Emblem games. And you can totally tell that based on how quick I got through this this game like i was like i texted nick i'm like yeah i'm on like on the last chapter we should be ready to record the review next and we thought we were gonna have to do like something short like cosmic star before we got to this one and nope didn't have to do that just rolled right on through this bad boy so uh nick your history with fire emblem when you say you've played all of them do you mean all of the english releases all the english releases don't be that guy because that's not all of them you have to be (laughs) he's that guy he's that guy I'm always that guy. I don't know what the fuck you want. That's what we that's what, what we have doing. him for. That's what we bring him here for to be the guy. That's it is what it is. Uh yeah, I've played all of the English releases except for the one on the Wii U, I think. Yeah. There was one on the Wii, then one on the Wii U or something. No, 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 no. It was the GameCube and then the Wii. 
Radiant, whatever fucking... Radiant Dawn? The Radiant Dawn, I think, was... The or Path of Radiance. Radiance. Something. I don't fucking... No, no, Radiant Dawn was the Wii one, and Path of Radiance was the GameCube. Anyway, I think. Fuck it. Yeah. I don't play that one because I didn't have a Wii. Uh, I don't think I've played Echoes of Venom, whatever the fuck, because it was a remake of, I think, the second problem. I don't even know. But I've played most of them that were released in English. And I'm kind of with Brent. I like most of them. Don't like some of them. Eh, they've had diminishing returns as the, like, the more recent the they got. The earlier releases, thumbs up, typically. The later releases, waving, toward more, waving towards more thumbs down. But and we'll see if we kinda... think this is better or worse than Fates, which we've done for the show. This is now our third Fire Emblem for the show. Yep. That's pretty. That's pretty good. We can play some more of them. That's what we'll do next. We'll just play more Fire Emblem games. No. God damn it. <laughs> we All won't fire. do. We won't do that again, will we? No. Uh... <laughs> just, just like all the. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, gameplay typically in. What in about typical... Cujo's experience? Oh yeah, Cujo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep forgetting about You're Cujo. You're I uh, I look. <laughs> you know, some people. Some people are just pieces of shit, and I am one of them. So we're just gonna move on with our well, lives. So am I. And we should just rebrand as the <laughs> pieces of shit show. <laughs> the real pieces of shit show. Uh, the RPS show. Uh, Cujo, would you care to tell us about your history with Fire Emblem, please, good sir? Yeah, this is like the first real game I actually played a Fire Emblem. Uh, I think I played one for one of the last Game Boy. Uh, was it the DS? It was my been one I played, but I never finished it. It was like a long time ago, like five or six years ago. I just didn't, I don't like playing RPGs on handhelds because like my neck starts hurting, my eyes hurt, so I just never finish them. So this is like the first one I've ever finished and played all the way through. Hold the fucking phone! You're kidding me, right? No, I'm not. Oh damn! This is it's a big moment. I know. I never had GameCube or anything like that, like a Wii or, uh, so I never played any other ones. Well, I do have to say, console, in my opinion, console Fire Emblems are vastly superior to handheld Fire Emblems. So, hmm, good job there. I guess that's that's fair. Like, I don't know if I would make that as a general statement, but I'd say the console ones are generally the. Well, you have to look at it this way: in Japan. There was nothing but Fire Emblem on consoles up until the sixth one. The sixth one was on the Game Boy Advance, and okay. then there were seven overseas, yeah, and eight as well. Yeah, um, I think nine went back to GameCube, and then ten was on GameCube, and then uh, I think they had Awakening, and mm-hmm. then Fates, and then uh, the remake ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dragon—I don't know—I can't remember what the fuck's called. They have some weird subtitles, but there's the remake ones, and then they went back to consoles for this one. Sure, or I guess sure. you could say the Switch is a pseudo hybrid. Yeah, it's a yeah because I played it mostly as handheld, but uh, I would I consider it, it a console release. What's that? I played it. I was gonna say I played it all on my TV except for when I was like grinding levels. I put on like a movie or something. Well, uh, that that's a blasphemous thing to do in Fire Emblem, and I can't believe you both did it. It makes me upset. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's an option. It's presented to me. I'm gonna use it. Yeah, I mean, I did the, I did the, uh, 
I didn't do like the repeatable ones, but I did the like rare monster and the the paralogs. But again, that's already extra extra battles that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So it is what it is. They did just well, patch it. You get paralogs in seven. They did just um. They did just patch it recently to have a, a new difficulty level. I saw that patch go on today. It might have been released yesterday or the day before, but it's supposed to, it adds like a whole another difficulty level. It's like maddening or something like that. I think I'm going to yeah. give it a shot because I kind of want to see the other the other pass, which we'll talk about. But gameplay-wise, uh, in typical Fire Emblem fashion, this game is a grid-based, uh, turn-based tactical RPG. You have a field of units, and you command all of yours on your turn. The enemy commands all of theirs on their turn. You move around the grid. Um, each unit has specific classes. Uh, and unlike other Fire Emblem games, this one you can sort of change those classes almost freely. I mean, I would say freely as as you uh, sort of advance different weapon and magic skills and other skills like authority, heavy armor, riding, flying, those sort of things, and change those classes around, uh, which isn't very Fire emblem I mean, it's modern Fire Emblem because what did you say? I think Fates did the same, a, a similar sort of and thing, Awakening. and Awakening, where you could change your. Um... And the, the the next closest would be Sacred Stones, where you get a branching path to choose from, but you don't ever get to go backwards. Yeah, this one you can go backwards, um, and there's sort of like there's a a skill unlocked whenever you master a class, so. Sometimes it behooves you to stick around on a, a lower tier class until you unlock that mastery skill um, before upgrading them to the next class. There are different tiers of classes. There are specialty classes. There's a ton of classes in this game, uh, more so than some other Fire Emblem. I'm trying to think if they did they have all these classes in like I feel like this is the most classes we've ever seen in a Fire Emblem game. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't think so. I think it like, I like you'd have to look at a list or whatever. But this probably has maybe a couple more than something like Awakening and Fates. Okay, but not very much more. But the, I noticed that they don't share a lot of the classes. Like there's like some classes that are missing, like Malignant Knight. Apparently, people were begging for. Mm -hmm. They introduced the Butler and the Maid class in Fates. If it's not here, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and they added some new ones. I think like uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight and Dark Mage. Yeah. And then all the Fist classes, like Brawler and Warmaster and shit. Mm -hmm. Which is just a reskinned Berserker, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, they, they function relatively the same. Light armor, um, heavy damage. Crit boost, yeah. ass, especially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they're... they're um, pretty much the same. I mean, you have a lot of... You have your mounted units. It's just a ton of... I won't I hesitate to say a ton, but there is a significant variety in the amount of units you have available to you or unit classes. Um, they're recruitable characters, just like every other Fire Emblem. Now, in this version of Fire Emblem, you recruit characters through this. Uh, when you first start the game, you're sort of you sort of set your way on a path. So by picking one of three houses that you are the leader of. And that each house comes preset with a certain 
cast of characters. And while that path also affects the story deeply, it also affects which characters are you start with and which characters are available to you. There's a few that are blacked out for a couple of the choices. But for the most part, you recruit other characters by this game's version of the relationship system by, you know, giving characters gifts, having tea parties with them, bringing them along as an adjunct, not an adjunct, um, what do they call it? Where you bring... That's where you set them to attack with a unit. I'm talking about where you bring them as an additional unit before you recruit them. What is that called? It's an adjutant. It's the same function. Is it? It's just a guest adjutant at that point. Is it just a support character? No, because one of them you actively use, the other one is attached to a character. As a support character, that's the adjutant. Yeah, that's some top. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're both right. It's. Oh. They you, call them both adjutants. Your, yeah, if they're not in your your house yet, you can borrow one from another house and then use them as an adjutant. You don't have yeah, to use them can, that way. You can use them as a, a, a actual union unit. Right. Yeah, but I think it's. I don't. I'm gonna have to fucking Google this shit because I, think it's I never. It's the same thing. I, they I don't think you gain like. I don't think you gain hearts from them if they're not battling with you. I think if they're just like a support character, they don't gain any hearts. Yeah, you have to use them in battle because that's how I ended up recruiting Petra. She just stayed attached to me in fucking battle. Um, yeah. But that's one way to, to earn relationship or support skill with a, with a unit. And once you get to a certain level or you meet certain conditions with uh, stat or skills, then you can recruit them from other classes to be in your class. Yeah, the easiest way is uh, just to get them to level B, and then uh, they'll randomly join your uh, your class. Randomly. So, fun fact about that, uh, the last one I needed to recruit, Mercedes, I had her at support level B for three chapters before the event triggered where she would she joined my class. And she approached me and asked me, because she was at support level B, and every time I explored... I went and asked her, and she was like, "No, I'm not doing that." Yeah, you have. I just save scummed it and just did a like right when you uh, change the week or whatever. When you go through those days, they'll randomly, yeah, they'll randomly ask you. Uh, so that's um, that's I mean, one. Or of you them. could just level up the stats that they ask for. Or you could level up the stats. You, but I was kind of towards the. That end takes of, too long. I was towards the end of my available time before the time skip to make sure I recruited the last couple people that I hadn't recruited. So well, um, it's some some characters. It's pretty much mandatory because you can't get their B support until uh, mm -hmm. after the time skip. So I think it's like Ferdinand and Caspar and Leonie. You can't get her B uh, support until you de <clears throat> somebody dies. <laughs> until Gerald dies. <laughs> Spoilers. So, Spoilers. Uh, the Seinfeld and, thing said at the beginning of the fucking episode. Shut your face. Oh, so you do agree it's Seinfeld. No, yes. it's not. Yes. It is not even oh, close to Seinfeld. Oh, oh, oh. I only refer to that because that's what everybody else fucking knows it as. It's not even... All right. <laughs> yes. It's official. It's Seinfeld. I win. Victory's mine. <laughs> you did this to yourself, Brent. You have nobody else to blame. Okay. So, yes. Um, you do some, there are characters that require certain stats or events. Um, and there are ones that you have to talk to after time skip or, um, in the, in battle. Like there are ones you can recruit in the battles after the time skip by meeting certain conditions, which is, what's that? Kill them with violence too, right? What's that? 
It's only if you defeat them with Byleth as well, as otherwise they get executed. I don't. I didn't get any that way, so I don't know. It's apparently the way it is. Like, there's some people that you can recruit pre-time skip, and then they, they, go back, quote unquote, to where they came from. And if you meet them again, if you recruited them pre-time skip and you defeat them with Byleth, then you recruit them back. Yes, but you still have to recruit them pre-time skip. Yeah, I didn't have that option with any of my guys. Well, that's because you picked the shitty path. I picked the best path. What are you talking about? So you the worst path. Actually, you picked the worst path, Nick, because you get the least amount of uh, viewpoint for the story with your path we'll talk about that in the plot i get all the characters that okay. you can possibly recruit but, so that's fine with me and i liked my path better like i don't give a fuck about it doesn't it doesn't really matter it will end so, so um there's there's that so what we talk about at each of the days so we're getting kind of jumbled up here we're all over the place but for each day or each week I should say because the game is laid out in weeks and months as the chapters or how you progress and each each Saturday, I guess it is on the calendar, um, or Sunday, or whatever. One of the days is a free day, and you use that day. You can either take place in Paralog and extra battles. You can um, explore the monastery and do sort of things like side quests, gardening, fishing, a bunch of events that help you boost morale and relationships with the characters in your class. Um you can do these seminar deals, which are a way to train skills in bulk almost. Um, or, of course, you can those rest are, and skip skip as well. Those are mo- the most worthless ones, I feel, like the seminars. The seminars are kind of meh. Like, they're kind of lackluster. I don't think I did them but once or twice just because I... The worst option is definitely resting. Yeah, it's definitely the, the rest is the worst option. Oh, you can skip entirely. You can skip. You can skip directly to the event on the calendar um, and not even get the rest bonus. So that's in fact the worst option. That's true. But if you're actually using options properly, then correct. Yeah, The only reason the rest is to get your, like uh, your sword all the way back up to hundred percent or something like that. Right. But you can repair it at the blacksmith with mithril. It true. also bo- boosts your, all your characters uh, motivation. Slightly, yeah, but is it is it only like one? Is it only like one bar boosts it? I have no idea because I never picked rest. So neither, did I, um... <laughs> neither did I. Neither did I. Like I saw uh, like one point there's like five percent of people picked rest. I'm like you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. So and what Nick's talking about there is if you were playing online, you get a uh, percentage of what all other online users did on that particular day next to any given action. Uh, action. Um, as well as you also have you have a certain limited number of actions you can take in both the explore and battle options and those increase as your uh, professor level increases and your professor increase blah 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 your professor level increases as you do stuff around um, the monastery and uh, maxes out at a plus and by the time you get to a plus what do you get like 11 or 12 actions on your explore it's ridiculous yeah, but by that time you don't need to explore anymore. Yeah, that all you're really doing is funneling motivation through uh, through your talky talk, uh, eat time with people, or your then, um, or you can do the um, increased blyless um, skills by because after the time skip, you can receive training not only from other professors but from your students, so you can use that as 
to level up any skills that you may or may not want post time skip. What are the what are the statue points called? Those are renown. Renown, okay. And you basically so in one corner of the monastery there are these statues, and by doing things you earn renown, and you can spend the renown of the statues, and they increase certain buffs, skills, um, experience gained, the uh, divine pulse, which is the way you can turn back time and combat. I never really used it, so I don't really know how it works. But it's kind of like one of those where a character dies, you can take it back a turn and try again, I think. Um, you can go back as pulse. Yeah, you can go back as far as the beginning of the match if you want. You don't have to go back one turn. Well, there you go. Did you never use this? No. <laughs> no, I didn't need it. I, I use it all the time when the fucking Death Knight crit my goddamn units. That's the only time I ever used it, motherfucker. I never had a problem with Death Knight. You can suck the fucking. And I got, dick. I killed him. What all three times you run into him? Is killing the Death Knight the Four only way? Times. To, is Four it times. the only? Even five times, I think actually, depending on what route you pick. I. But yeah, that's only way to get. I think it, seals. I only got him three times, but that's because my path. But uh, the, the, when you kill him, is that the only way to get the dark? Uh, dark seals. Dark skills. Seal. Yeah. yeah. Seal. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way you get the dark seal, which is how you unlock. Uh, Dark Mage. Dark Mage and Dark Knight. Or Dark Bishop. Dark, Dark Bishop. Bishop yeah. Sorry. Um, there's two you, you unlock two things from him. And uh the I think the only other quote unquote secret class is Dancer, right? Because then that's Which is you, bullshit. And that's you just have to win the dance competition. Yeah, that's not hard. That's they not hard. You, you need twenty six charisma. They tell you how many charisma you need. I only needed twelve. Oh really? Like, my character's got like twenty, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, they yeah, told me I needed twenty six. Yeah, the thing that wow. sucked with with mine is uh is Dan well is dancer even any good because I never got to oh, use it. Dancer's amazing. I fucking love dancer. Yeah, I didn't get to use it because that I had I picked that green hair chick. What's her name? Uh, Flane. Yeah, the daughter of the green hair dude. Uh, wow. Sister. <laughs> His sister, yes. Uh, and she uh, in my playthrough doesn't get to join your party, so. That's wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I knew I knew where he was going with that. Oh, I was like, that. "Son of a bitch!" I picked her for a dancer, and she not, oh. and she's, and I just had to kill her the next chapter. So that was cool. That's funny. Uh, so yeah, no, dancer's pretty awesome. Uh, basically, I got dancer on Petra, but like I put her back to dancer after she had already been through, like, uh, like mastered assassin. So nobody. So like, it was funny. So in the uh, the battle at uh, Drondon Field, which I don't know if you guys get the three-way battle at Drondon Field in either of your playthroughs. I don't really know how the story progresses. Yeah, Blue Lions does it. But it's all three of you are there, and basically, uh, uh, who is the who's the guy in your in your uh, path there, Nick? The the Dimitri's like second-hand guy. Dedu. Dedu. Okay, so, like, Dedu, nobody could, like, hurt the guy. Like, every time a character went up to hit him, it was zero damage. But he also had zero percent to hit Petra. So they were just standing there just, like, doing nothing for, like, half the battle. It was hilarious. I'm like, okay, all right, whatever, man. Like, I literally couldn't beat him. I had to go butcher Dimitri to get the battle to stop. Damn. 
like none of my characters like even like i think hilda had she had the hammer plus and had she's had like she had like 45 strength at a time and her attacks did zero to him so i assume he's undamageable on purpose that's the only thing i could imagine so uh probably he's i think he i think he did route doesn't he do something oh yeah my route he definitely does something yeah he does he does stuff like yeah, he, well, i mean like he does some shit with a crest stone or something right yeah he uh proceeds to use a crest stone become a dem- demonic beast and mm-hmm. he's even harder even harder to kill yeah, it's awesome he, he, he goes on the full revenge path um on because dimitri dies in both the other paths spoiler yeah. for story later no, he he doesn't die in my path. I I killed Dedu first, then I killed Dimitri. Uh, well, well I mean, he, he dies first he in died. my path. He dies in your path too. No, no, I meant like in oh. the, every path the leader dies in the other. Unless you're no, Claude the doesn't die. Path. Clyde Claude doesn't die in all all the other paths. Well, yeah, I mean, because by the lets people live typically, whereas like Edelgard wants to kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, no, she, no, she doesn't. Yes, she does. Yeah, she, she's heavily manipulated. Uh, no. It's, it's definitely, it's there's, there's, it is what it is. We'll get to it in story. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's Edelgard is right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> where were we at? Story. Uh, there's, there's durability on weapons. That's a fire emblem thing. That still hasn't gone away. Uh, typically in Fire Emblems, the character dies, they stay gone, and that's the case here if you pick any of the the higher difficulties. So if you pick casual, they they come back, which I don't know why you would. It takes all the fun out of it. Uh, unless you want to kill... Um, God, what's that Rose Knight's name, whose name I have now forgotten because I hated him so much. Lawrence? Oh, God. What a... Just a piece of shit that guy was. Um... Yikes! I mean, each each in typical like there's there's all still all the standard fire emblem trappings like you have bows do better against flying units. There's weapon types that do better against different units or whatever. Then there's also new skills and sort of new systems added here, like the authority and battalion system. I believe that's new. I don't remember the battalion system from another game. I couldn't tell you. Nick, is the battalion thing new? Yeah. Okay, so you equip... It's basically like another stat stick, almost. Plus, you get uh, special abilities based on your um, battalion equipped. Uh, well, I feel like the battalions, like, they give you a stronger attack in the beginning of the game, but towards, like, after the time skip, they're more basically... Like, you do you do, you do more damage attacking than you would if you use your battalion. And they're just more of a stat boost at that point. Um, they're, they're very much for breaking defenses on monsters, is, is their big useful thing but they also the better some of the better um mercenary squadron battalions have incredible stat boosts for your character like ridiculously good stat boosts so as long as you're leveling up the more powerful battalions and keeping up with your authority skill you get a ton of bonus from your battalions on your stats alone so um um there's that Trying to think, what are some what are some gameplay um, ticks I'm missing here? Nick, you want to take any? Uh, 
think you got most of them. Like you got the battalions moving around. Have you touched on how you can pretty much have any character have any weapon? Yeah, so unlike other Fire Emblem games where your weapons you use are limited by the class, this you have an independent weapon skill, but at any time anybody can use any weapon type. And uh, there there's really... no weapon triangle anymore. Yeah, there's no weapon triangle. On the surface, but you can get skills that give you the benefits that used Correct. to exist? Correct. That comes in the form of skill. Yeah. Uh, magic, it's not uh, you can't use magic with everyone either, though. Uh, once you unlock them, you can. Can't you? Well, you have to have the like, class. So, yeah. Some classes can't use magic, I don't think. Some classes like, can't use gauntlets either. I'm not yeah. sure about that. So <laughs> when you... Uh... <laughs> did, you hear, did, you hear, did you hear that? Yeah, you Alexa, Alexa wants you. us to know. <laughs> no, but... Uh, like your first class you start off with, you can use magic, and then you go level up, and you can't use magic anymore. It kind of pissed me off. It's because mm. you picked the wrong class. That's true. Um, well, you have, you have to choose certain classes to get the master class you want, which is annoying as well. Where unless you, can, you know, you, you, can, to... you can do all of that in instruction. Like I know, but it's annoying to do an in instruction. And you can just set their goals to whatever custom thing it is you want for them to end up as their master class, and just have them work on that. Yeah, but you don't. I guess you. Just, for their master class, everyone either has to be a flying mount or a horse, for the most part, which is annoying. Um, yes and no. It's just you just want everybody to be a wyvern lord is all you really want. That's boring. Uh, but it's kind of awesome at the same time, except for uh, I, Claude, who's a Barbosa, whatever that is. My Byleth was the guy that what was the master class where he had magic and uh, sword, whatever that was. The enlightened thing yeah that oh. one was awesome well that's 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 one given to him by default or unless you're talking about the uh the savant mortal savant, mortal savant. yes mortal savant and he had the swords on his back yeah that's pretty sweet um so yeah that's that's gameplay let's just go around what are some things you liked you didn't like nick we'll start with you what are some things you liked about gameplay in this fire emblem um I guess I like the ability to craft your characters into anything you wanted them to be. Uh, but that's also, it's like a double-edged sword because inevitably there are, like we said, the best the best class to be in the game. So if you're not picking that class, you're effectively uh, like gimping yourself and your characters. Um, and then also, depending on who you are as a person, like the freedom could be stifling in a way where you are almost compelled to like i am to have especially byleth i had him master every class and i got uh, mastered uh all his skills s plus only Jesus. because you can new game plus and use your renown to purchase any rank of skill that you've previously unlocked in a previous playthrough so i felt that doing that would allow me to make any build i ever wanted with him at, or her at any point in time so that's why i did that uh obviously in hindsight is the stupidest thing you could ever do because it's such a waste <laughs> of time but in the heat of the moment i felt compelled to do it so i did it uh i know there's people out there that have it worse than me like i've seen on game facts people are like all right now i've gotten such and such characters, this, this many characters, all their stuff maxed out, all their classes mastered or whatever. And they're like, I'm going for a master 
like master file where they I guess they've unlocked everything you could possibly unlock and have all the renown stacked up to uh, purchase anything at any given time. Like I guess at the beginning of the game, master every fucking skill and ability for your characters. More power to them. I don't have that time to waste on that kind of shit. Um, but another thing I didn't like was the whole uh, Italian gambit bullshit. I never used gambits unless I was fighting a monster. Yeah, they're also breaking they felt, breaking monsters. Yeah, they felt superfluous and they felt more like just a, a stat boosting item you would equip as opposed to anything meaningful. Like I kind of looked at what gambits I'd get from a dude, but the stats were more valuable to me. It's like, oh, this guy gives me plus you look, five. You look for the biggest AOE, really, is what you what you really want on a gambit. Yeah, but I don't really use gambits, so I don't really care. Yeah, because you just want the surface area for breaking the monster. That's all you really want. But even then, like my dudes would kill monsters before breaking their shields completely half the time. So I'm well, like, I don't even fucking care. You maxed them the fuck out like a stupid <laughs> person. Well, that's what it is. That's another, I guess, a benefit and drawback. If you play on a certain difficulty, you can grind as many maps as you like. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I mean... All right. What about you, Cujo? Likes, dislikes, as far as gameplay goes? Uh, <clears throat> likes. Uh, I love the monastery, like exploring it and finding the characters and then finding like their items and kind of doing that whole thing. Um, recruiting characters was really fun. I love doing that. Uh, getting them to, to, you know, be level and then, you know, getting them in your party and finding the ones that you like the most. Um, I had a couple favorite characters that are pretty badass and then um, what are those stories that, uh, like, it's a battle, uh, but it's like... Paralogue? Some... Paralogue, I like those. Those are fun. I made it a little bit more back... Like, the backstory is a little bit more interesting because it's like a battle, too. So I like that. Um, yeah, that's that's my likes. The dislikes, uh, like I was saying before, like, the classes, like, when you get to the master class, everyone has to have a horse. So if you're building up other things, you have to spend a lot more time trying to get their horse level up or their flying level up, whatever that is. Um, I don't know. I thought most of the abilities or combat arts were kind of lame or didn't really affect the affect the game that much. Um, I the like not keeping your levels and stuff on New Game Plus was like I, I didn't know at the, at the beginning not to use up my renown, so I like basically spent all my renown during the game, and all my statues were like kind of all leveled up. But then like when you go to New Game Plus, my like all the stuff I worked hard to get, it's gonna be take me a while to get the renown back up to use on that. So I didn't like the, how they didn't explain that to you. Um, uh, and then battalions, I thought didn't they didn't keep their usefulness. I mean, that's not really a dislike. It's just kind of thing. All right. Well, uh, for me, I'm gonna have to disagree on uh, Garen Mach. Uh, I, you know, I did not need an exploration phase in my Fire Emblem game. Like, one of the things I've always enjoyed about Fire Emblem is you get a little, uh, little dialogue, you navigate some menus, battle. Dialogue, menus, battle. Dialogue, menus, battle. And I felt like all the explore phases at Garen Mach really slowed everything down because all it really came down to was you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, the way you build relationships in this game really didn't didn't jive for me. Like, I was I was much more a fan of the Fire Emblem way of uh, 
like making sure you have a specific character at a specific map or talk to a specific unit uh, way off in the corner in a map. Um, and then some of the relationship building to re- uh, unlock characters in terms of like making sure like two characters had a good support or whatever was all fine but like all those lost items and then the tea party thing where like the they there's just a bunch of canned dialogue options you got to know which ones like characters like and don't like it's i don't know it felt boring and sort of just kind of monotonous the way that you you got characters in this in this game and i was just not uh not a huge fan um, yeah, I never did. I never did those either. I thought that was like a waste of a point, basically. Oh, tea parties! You get the most support out of an action, out of every every anything. Like that's that's the quickest way to get them to a support level B. It's tea it's, party time. It's relying on you to use a guide, though. Yes, you have not, to use a guide for it. Well, not for me because I I played on casual, so I did a lot of battles. Nah, well. <laughs> so then I just like used that Jesus. to have them level up that way. <laughs> so. That, <laughs> I just had them battle all, like until they were all level B, so that's how I did it. I see that working fine too. I guess <laughs> like that's how you spent all the, that's. Now I know how you spent eighty hours in this game because I think my final time was like forty-five hours or something like that. Yeah, I did a lot of battles because I like I like the battle system. I had fun with that, and uh, I liked getting their hearts up and then recruiting them. Like that's maybe why I liked the monastery more because I had a lot more time in between of it. I mean, again, it still came down. I was doing the same stuff over and over again, and it really didn't. Uh, it just, I don't know. It felt like I always feel weird when a Fire Emblem game is just throwing a ton of resources at me. Like, um, I don't know. Like, this just the the whole monastery thing rubbed me the wrong way. I really wasn't. I didn't necessarily hate it. I just, it just felt out of place and not exactly exciting. Uh, Stuff I liked, I guess. I do like the customize, being able to customize characters. I wish there were a few more options, however, you know, especially in that masterclass range. Um, I, I do think Cantor is a little overpowered. Um, maybe we should, maybe the mounted units shouldn't have had Cantor, but. Canto? Uh, Canto, whatever. Uh. And uh, other than that, I think I think that's it as far as gameplay goes. I'm gonna ray. I'm gonna give it a four. Four. Uh, give it a four and a half because I enjoyed myself. What about you, Nick? Where are you at rating? Um, I'll give it a four. It felt like there was some. A lot of the maps really were the same. Yeah, there was a lot of variety of maps. So it wasn't, sure. Uh, like there's, I can't remember any part where there's a choke point. Like there's no point in having a character night essentially because their main job is to sit in a choke point and take hits and i don't i can't recall yeah any point in the game where that would be a feasible strategy it's not the, the, they should just call three houses whipping mode houses <laughs> because that's the only class you can you really want to pick and it's a disappointment because in previous games where you were locked in each character had a specific class that they were you had to strategize about hey, I can send this guy around the back to do like a pincer attack, and because he can fly, so you can go over all the obstacles. You know, other people have to move by mm-hmm. foot over these forests and over these mountains and whatever else. Whereas in this, because of the flexibility, you can just be like, oh, clearly 
not being hidden by terrain is the most favorable course of action. So let me just create all of my characters as a flying uh, unit and fly over all the shit. And then also with Super Canto, attack and then move away so they're out of danger. You don't have to expose them to any needless danger. Bingo, bango, bongo, you're fucking done. Yeah. And it's like, this is this is probably the easiest Fire Emblem game I've ever played in my life. Oh, 1,000% the easiest Fire Emblem game I've ever touched in my life. And I didn't do Even any of the grinding. grinding. Yeah. Yeah. You so, might want to explain what that Canto is so people that haven't played it know what that means. It's just the ability that mounted units get. And it allows you to move, make an action, and then move again. Which is, it's Super Canto. Normally, Canto is, in previous games uh, that have had the ability, just let you move and attack. Uh, and and then do an action or something, and then move again without. So like this one's like super because you can move, attack, move. Yeah. So again, the other ones like you can attack and move, but yes. you can't move and attack. So in but this I think game, it's only like. So in this game, only... in this game, uh, you know how when you attack, your turns over. Yep. So in previous versions of the game, Kanto meant like if a mounted unit attacked something and it had not taken its move action, it could still take its move action after the attack. Here, you move, you do whatever your action is, and then you can still move whatever your remaining movement available to you is. So yes. um, yeah. that's that's Super Canto. And it's broken. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Kuja, give me a score and how you felt about it, gameplay-wise. Uh, I'm going to go with four as well. Uh, I did like... I had a lot of fun with it, and I played it different than you guys. But uh, I just like some of the dislikes I said before. That's probably why I'm going to give it a four. Uh, just some of the things were, I don't know, not fleshed out all the way, or didn't didn't matter. But maybe it's just because of the way I played it. But I probably would have different dislikes if I played it on hard too. So, I mean, that's in for me. Like, I'm not typically a guy that plays a guy uh, a game for like a ton of challenge. Like, I like some sort of you know, challenge. I do have to like to engage my brain a little, but like Fire Island's always been one of those games that I've wanted to be difficult. Like, it it was never like fuck me hard, but it was always sort of I did have to stop and tactically think about how I was moving my units around a map, and it is always super disappointing, especially in these new newer Fire Emblem games when stuff is this easy. You know, like it kind of makes everything else kind of feel a little pointless. But that doesn't mean it's any less fun to, like, murder ball your way across a battlefield, right? Like, it's still kind of fun to murder ball your way across a battlefield, so. But anyway. I, mean, it's, I had fun playing, but at no point was like, this is, I'm burning so much brain power right now. I'm trying to figure out what strategy to use. Because it was essentially, move my characters forward. People that had a higher defense take the vanguard. They take maybe the first chunks of damage. Oftentimes, they would just counterattack and kill the dudes outright. And if they didn't, then you'd have your other people move up and clean the trash out. And there were occasionally times where they tried to pull some bullshit reinforcement stuff, but my guys were so strong that it didn't matter. Like, I could see how maybe that would fuck you up in, like, maddening or something, where the enemies are ten levels higher than your characters. Mm-hmm. But I've seen people, like, a week after the game came out, already do single-character challenges with characters. And I'm like, this is not a hard game if you can do a single-character challenge a week after the game comes out. Mm -hmm. successfully correct so like without having to form any real strategies about how to like maintain 
uh, like your character's health at certain points of the game where like something required like a, a knight for example or something required a mounted unit to fly across the the river to stop somebody from doing something which is i guess another thing i miss out of this game where there's no villages there's nothing to save there's no mm-hmm. nothing on the maps have any kind of consequence in the in yeah. the in the getting the items from thieves or whatever like there's minimal there's the I think I unlocked lockpicking on one character and never used it. Like there was no, never a map where I was like, "Oh boy, I got to get to that chest" because there's just so much shit thrown at you that you don't need it. Yeah, I opened every chest and they never had really anything great in them. Like there's no villages to save. Like it's just, it is. It's the 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 action on the map is underwhelming for sure. All right. First up, our first musical break is mine. I pick Broken Routine. It is sort of one of this, this, uh, it's sort of like a haunting, almost, uh, melancholy, um, theme that plays when you're talking to one of the specific characters, um, in the game, which we'll talk about later. So we're going to listen to that. We come back and we're talking about story. hand it over to my boy um you you had there are four distinct plot paths in this version of fire emblem um it's not the first time they've done branching story paths for a game but i um this one is is really intricate between the four so again just a just a brief overview we'll talk about some of the changes um in each of the paths I'm going first. What four paths are they, Nick? And how do we get there? How do we choose our paths? All right. So there's uh like they have four different theme names, but essentially it's uh, Blue Lions, Black Eagles, Church, and Gold Deer. And mm-hmm. they're all they're called Silver Snow, Crimson Flower, Azure Moon, and Verdant Wind. Uh, that's their thematic name. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, for all but two, you're tied into the path, pretty much from like the first choice in the game. Uh, depending on which house you align with is which path you're going down. Uh, the exception is for Black Eagles, which I guess for a lot of people pissed them off because they were expecting to ally with Edelgard and they instead allied with the church because they didn't do things right with Edelgard. And I'm not 100% sure on the uh, trigger for this, but I think it's you have to max out Edelgard's support as soon as possible. And then there's a choice you have to make with her. Uh, Kujo would know better. Because I didn't get yeah. her out. Kujo, where's you the did... choice in, in the Black Eagles? 
It's like chapter 10, you're in uh, the monastery, and you have to have her at least, I think the max you can get her at is level C anyways. So all you got to do is really just use her. And then in the monastery, there's a she'll have like a bubble over her head, and she'll say, hey, do you, can you do this thing with me? Because she's going to basically be crowned the emperor. And if you go there with her, she does that, and you're there for that whole thing. And then when you do that part where they reveal like the flame emperor part, you can either choose to side with her or not. And choosing and choosing not is the the quote unquote church path, correct? Yeah, yeah. You either shoot like, uh, what's her face uh, says, Rhea. Yeah, she says killer. I'm sorry, I'm bad with names. <laughs> uh, she says to kill her or not to kill her, and you pick yes or no, and she of course warps out of there if you pick yes. Um, and if no, then you like go over and stand with her, and uh, Hubert comes over and warps you out of there. All right, so uh, just give us a, an overview of the plot there, Nick. Okay, so up until the time skip, essentially what happens is uh, you start the game, and you're working as a mercenary with your dad, and these three kids run up to you, and they're like, you're being chased by bandits, help us. So you help them out, and you find out there are students at this Garrick Mock Monastery, which is uh, where Gerald, which is your father, used to be a captain of, like I guess the, the head guy of the Knights of Seros. Um, and he ran away 20-something years ago when you were born. Uh, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But uh, you arrive there. Um, your dad's kind of strong-armed back into service by the, the Archbishop, Rhea. And you are recruited as a professor uh, for one of the classes because they're missing a professor. I guess he died. I can't really remember. I think they died or something. Uh, so they need a replacement. So that is you. No, he ran away from battle, right? It's like I have the mask. But, well, something happened because they were going to apparently like if you listen to the like, NPC conversations, they were going to pick that guy in the mask. But then you came along. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the original guy either died or maybe he ran away. They needed a replacement, and everybody thought it was going to be the, the swordsman guy in the mask. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck his name is. Jezreel? Jezza? Gerald? No, it's Jez something. Yeah, well, anyway. Jizzy Pants. Actually, Emil or the Death Knight. I'm just going to call him the Death Knight because that's who he is. Yeah, he's the Mercedes Death Knight. brother. Yeah. Half brother. Uh, uh, you want Okay, half brother. <laughs> half brother. Raised by a different family when her family had to run away and defect to the the kingdom of Fargus or whatever the fuck. Anyway, so you become the professor. You choose a house to lead because you met the, the house leaders before. Those are the three kids. And you, based off of two sentences of the dialogue, you have to be like, yeah, I like this character more. When everybody knows reality, it's, uh, are you a horny teenager? Do you like the knight in shining armor stereotype? Or do you like the goofball? Because if you're a horny teenager, you're picking the girl character because that's the only girl character that you can have, and which is what most people did because they are virgin neckbeards, I guess. Woo! Um, but <laughs> well, that's how it, that's how it was represented on uh, at least the game facts. Where everybody's like, "Other guard's so hot, she's I let her sit on my face and shit." And it's like, okay, I understand why you picked the black eagles now. Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I thought I thought that and the emperor, the empire was interesting. Uh, that's that's I mean that's fair, but I'm just being biased over here because Dimitri for life. But 
so you, you pick a, a house, you kind of just go through um, the first, I was it like 10 months uh, where you're educating these students and you're dealing with random jobs that get attacked to you by the church. Like, oh, there's some bandits in this town, save the town. Oh, there's these monsters here, you go defeat the monsters. And then uh, random things will happen uh, on chapters that are kind of suspicious, like one of the... Uh, like, I can't remember what his position is. He's like the right hand uh, of the Archbishop Seteth. His mm-hmm. daughter, quote unquote, gets kidnapped. So you have it's to find his sister. Her. His sister. No, it says sister a million times his sister. No, it's, a, it's, it's his daughter if you play the if you play the side story. Yeah, like you find out know. that they're actually I, related. Whatever. So they're all fucking related. It's, and they're like a million years old. But Yeah, because they're dragons. Yeah, so... I mean, they had green uh, hair. Everybody with green hair was like, oh, they're all dragons. Like, I'm even not. Violeth. Yes. What's um, the. Yeah, well, that's after the merger. But yes, yeah, continue. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, so, that, fuck that chapter specifically, by the way, because I didn't read the text well enough and it skipped that whole month for me. Some fucking <laughs> bullshit. But whatever. You didn't save? Uh, I ought to saved after. Because I thought it was taking me to like some side story thing because I'm retarded. Wow. I was like, oh, I'm doing some little fight thing. Okay, cool. And then I finished the fight and it's like, this month's over. I'm like, oh, haha. Great. <laughs> three weeks of shit. Great. Um, yeah, so you do random shit. Uh, then you kind of get hints in, uh, of these people that are called those who slither in the dark, which are some like weird fucking zombie looking dudes. Um, and there's a one point where you're getting tasked to guard, I think, this sarcophagus, uh, who's supposed to be the gods, goddess of sarcophagus, Sothis, or something. And for some reason, these guys want to break into it and steal the corpse. So you defend it. Well, you defend it, but then they open it up anyway, and they find a sword there that you get. It's called Sword of the Creator. Which is one and of these no- ancient relics or whatever. Yeah, and nobody else can use it because you're supposed to have a crest imbued inside of the relic weapon and you have to have a matching crest on your body which is another thing that's in this world these crest things which are descended from the previous 10 elites or whatever they say at the beginning of the game where they show you a cutscene of this girl fighting this guy with the sword of the creator called nemesis anyway back to getting the sword you get the sword there's no crest on the weapon but byleth can use it Woo, mysterious. I wonder what that means. Um, Rhea's happy about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can have the sword. But normally, in any other circumstance, she'd be like, no, put that back. Because even Seth is like, uh, why are you letting him keep the weapon? Yeah. Uh, this is very important. I don't understand why you're doing this. And she's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. I, I know something you don't. He, he, he. And don't forget to um, mention that the little girl that's like in your dreams and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, so... That takes you way back to the beginning where she stops you from dying (laughs) trying to save (laughs) the the characters. She stops dying, she rewinds time, and bonds herself to, like, your mind. So she's constantly talking to you in your head and showing... She's probably been there the whole time. Yes. just, like, comes and goes and then randomly came back at the instant for some reason. Yeah. Because you were in peril. I guess the first time you almost died. I guess. So that's the thing. That's the goddess Sophus or whatever talking to you the whole fucking time. And 
uh so a lot of the stuff happens where she's talking to you and you can make you can make conversation with her and it's in the side of your head and she'll comment on random things whatever largely irrelevant for the most part because at least in my opinion because she just makes snide comments until the the time skip section which we're getting to so uh you continue on with the plot and you're tasked with finding a stolen hero's relic from the thief um, and if you're playing Blue Lions, or if you have Sylvain, I guess, you can get the relic, uh, because it is his house relic. I don't know if that applies to any other house, but at least the Blue Lions house, uh, when you have Sylvain, you kill you kill his brother. Uh, but before you kill him, because if you have a relic, you don't have a crest, it it doesn't work. Like, it does, mm-hmm. like you can use a weapon, but it fucks your body up or something. So he turns into a crest monster, and you kill him, and you, you get the relic, and this starts up the whole crests or evil kind of thing maybe um, well i didn't have sylvania in my party at that time so i didn't get it but then there's like a side story when you get him in your party where you like protect his family's like land or something and then his dad gives it to him or something like that okay so you can still get it that's neat yeah, you can still get it uh because in blue lines you have the option of uh Rhea's like can, okay i'll take the the relic now and you can be like okay or you can be like Fuck you, bitch. And if you say no, uh, Sylvain walks up and he's like, yeah, that's mine. Thanks. And <laughs> and you pretty much just give it to him. It's like, yeah, this is family's relic. Here you go. Um, but essentially, you're going on, you're going on. Uh, eventually, your dad gets murdered by a student who you saved when you saved Flane. But turns out she's actually some evil demon creature from, who's aligned with those who slither in the dark. And they're a cult who oppose the church. And uh, after your dad's death, you can read uh, his diary and learn that uh, your mom died giving birth to you or something, and your dad took you and left uh, because he thought that Rhea was doing some weird shit uh, behind the scenes. It's not really explained 100%. She was doing some really weird shit. So uh, that's why you left. And he also talks about how you never had any emotion. Something was wrong with you. Um, and so the first time, like they say in the game, the first time he sees you cries, he cry, you cry when he's dying. And he's like, at least I know you're human or whatever. Uh, so you continue pursuing the people that are responsible for, oh, when your dad dies, you try to use your time skip powers to save him. But spo- like the, those who slipped in the dark dudes knew you had this power somehow. So you stop the girl from killing your dad but then some guy comes in and like knocks your sword away. Like he just teleports out of nowhere, knocks your sword away, and he's like, I can't let you do that. But the girl kills your dad anyway. And I'm like, This is dumb. Go back in time again, man. And just <laughs> yeah. you know this guy's coming. I thought uh, the same like, thing. Yeah, it was a weird, tell your dad weird to thing. Move or something. Yeah. Like he's, he doesn't say shit. He just like, okay, I'll go back in time and throw my little sword. Go back out. to the beginning of the battle and be like, Look, this bitch is gonna do something behind you when we yeah. get there. Like, but, come on. It's all plot shit, so whatever. I think, yeah. like, plot reasons, you can't go more than, like, five seconds in the past or something. But I'm like, still, you can go back. As soon as you see some dude teleport and knock your shirt away, I'd be like, all right, back, back, back. We're going back. New plan. Like, it, it doesn't seem like in plot there's any limitations to it. Mm-hmm. But there is in the gameplay, because you have to have that limitation for gameplay. But So that confused me a little bit, but whatever. Uh, so you kind of chase down the guys that murdered your dad. And you find uh, this, you find out that 
we found this out earlier, but you find out that people have been infiltrating the church organization who are associated with that, those who live with the dark, and they've been kind of kidnapping people and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Like, they go to a town that you had protected, I think, at the beginning of the game, and they turned everybody into monsters, and you had to kill everybody. Um, so you meet up to this one guy that was pretending to be the librarian, and he sent, he uses this, some, some magic shit to send you in this, like, realm of darkness. And then the Sothis chick, the girl that's been talking to your head this whole time, explains that, oh, suddenly I remember that I'm the goddess of the, I created the world or whatever, the progenitor god. And... Well, no, because you hear, um, she knew her name, or was it she knew her name, but we didn't know who the name of Sirius's daughter goddess was? At some point, somebody says the name, and she's like, oh, that's my name. Or something crazy. I don't well, know. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. Like, but she doesn't have any memories of who she was or anything, yeah. or why she exists. And then suddenly you get sent to the dark realm of darkness, and then instantly she remembers everything and all her powers and all this crap. It's like it's one of those little plot things that they have to do because yeah. they didn't really expand on it for any other point in the game. Sure. Just like, oh, I've got these powers now. Here we go. So she fuses with you, and uh, she tells you that she was implanted inside of you somehow in the hopes that she would be reborn into the world because she'd been missing from the mm -hmm. world, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so she for, merges with you, you get all of her powers, and you warp yourself, or you slice a hole in this dimension and just like walk through it, and you kill all the bad guys. Well, your hair turns but green, too. Yeah, you go like Super Saiyan 2 or some shit. Yeah, it's really well, weird. your hair's already like dark green, and then it goes light green. Yeah, it goes it goes weird chartreuse color. It's not pleasant. And then so this is uh at the point where all the routes really kind of diverge. So I don't know how it happens with all the other routes, but for blue uh lions, uh you have to protect um these crust stones that are in the basement, I think. Or maybe this is earlier on, but uh the Empire attacks the monastery yeah when the empire yeah. attacks the monastery they're trying to take all the crest stones out of the tombs in the bottom of the thing and that's when the flame yeah. emperor has been is revealed to be edelgard yeah um so you you successfully do that but you still fail because of course you do i guess unless you're playing black eagles i don't know well because uh, she was the, like the distractionary force for like the reinforcements to get there and then like the entire imperial army marches in on on garen mock and there's this huge battle in which Rhea does yeah. the thing and turns it to a dragon. Yeah. Well, for the black the black eagles, you're still fighting uh, Edelgard at that point. After the battles, when you get the choice. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So Rhea turns into a dragon. She starts fighting back. She tells everybody to leave. She's like, "Run away! You're more important than me." But then Violet comes back and tries to save her, and gets knocked the fuck out, like off this cliffside, and is like sleeping for five years somehow. It's knocked in a coma. Yeah, it's weird. And then wakes up, and you make your way back to the monastery, and uh, you okay. So, as your moon route, you make your way back to the monastery. You find you hear some rumors that there's a cold-blooded murderer that's residing in there, just killing everybody that approaches. And you walk your way up, and you see corpses everywhere, and you see Dimitri on the ground, like huddled up, uh, and he's obviously fucking batshit crazy. So you spend the rest of the route, or like half the route, kind of trying to get him to be normal again. And he eventually 
so he's so the reason he's fucking batshit crazy is because as a kid, uh, there was this massacre of uh, Dusker that happened where all these uh, quote unquote foreigners, which everybody calls them in the game, there's like these dark skinned dudes, mm-hmm. uh, like more Indian looking, I guess. Isn't Cyril well, one of them? No, he's uh, Almiron. Okay. So he's different. Uh, the Duskins are different than the Almirons, but they have like similar skin tones. I don't know. Yeah, everybody uh, foreign yeah. in this game has dark skin because like Petra yeah, is like, like Petra. Br- is like Brigid, Brigid from Brigid yeah, or whatever. Something. But yeah. uh, yeah, so it's like whites versus everybody else <laughs> yeah, on the mainland, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, these Duskins like revolt and start massacring everybody. They kill the uh, the king. They kill a bunch of people. The only person really left of royalty is. Dimitri. So he's been haunted by this for his entire life. And at one point, uh, a few years before the game starts, uh, he's visiting a town or something, and it's gets, it gets attacked by bandits. And he goes apeshit, and he just starts killing everybody. Uh, women, children, actual bad people, anybody that gets in his way, he just starts killing. Um, and Felix references this all the time by calling him a wild boar, and you don't really understand what the hell he's talking about until this is explained to you, but... At this point, he's kind of reverted back to that because, one, he was in love with Edelgard, and to find out she was the Flame Emperor, uh, and it's loosely assumed to be that she's responsible for the tragedy of Discar by the those who slither in the dark people. Mm-hmm. They talk about it, and she's like, yeah, I'm not really responsible for that, but Dimitri, at this point, don't give a shit because he's like, they're assholes, and you're with them, so that means you're an asshole too. So he feels like super betrayed when he finds out that it's Edelgard, and that just really breaks his brain. Like he goes full fucking crazy. Um, and then the war starts, and he tries to rally, I guess, his kingdom, but he gets betrayed by uh, some people that have defected to the empire. And it's assumed that uh, Dedu dies protecting him uh, while he's escaping from these dungeons. So he spends a couple years just roaming and killing anybody. That's associated with the empire. Then you—that's when you meet him in the in the monastery. So from this point, uh, everybody in your house and everybody else that you kind of recruited slowly starts trickling back to the uh, monastery, and you kind of use it as a base to attack the empire. Eventually, there's like three or four maps in or chapters in. Dimitri forces a massive battle between uh, the blue lions, the empire, or I guess the kingdom, the empire, and the alliance. And every, there's lots of uh, lots of people die, and then uh, the conflict kind of progresses, and uh, you uh, um, eventually convince Dimitri that his desire for revenge is worthless. Like, he has to live for his kingdom and his people, um, and so that gives him a renewed purpose, and he goes from the path of darkness kind of onto the path of light again, and he uh, focuses on, instead of just slaughtering Edelgard, um and becomes more focused on saving Fodland from the perceived evil and liberating the kingdom from imperial rule and becoming the rightful king. Um, then he eventually liberates his, his motherland. He marches towards the capital. Uh, he wants to make peace with Edelgard because he still loves her. Um, and so they arrange a meeting. Uh, and then he's like, we can work together to achieve your goals. Like, I know your heart's in the right place. But the way you've went, you've done, you've gone about doing things has been pretty fucked up. Um, but she refuses, so he's like, "Okay, well, I gotta stop you." And he goes in and he invades the kingdom. 
um he's able to you're able to win obviously because it's your path you're on and he's like uh, he offers her mercy again but she attempts to kill him so he has to kill her in self-defense and then the epilogue is that Fildland is united under the kingdom again which is how it used to be with Demetrius the ruler uh Byleth becomes a new archbishop of the church and everybody's happy though side note i guess is none of the underlying issues actually resolved in this plot path which Pretty is much. i think where golden deer does the best job at that as mm-hmm. opposed to black eagles but i'm not 100 sure hey were you uh, able to save doo-doo yes so to do that you have to do his paralog before the time skip which is it so kind of like how before the time skip, you can have Edelgard and go have you know make that choice later. Yeah. Does that does it the uh, the, the yellow team have that kind of option too, Brent? Uh, to I did not. No, I did not save him. Well, I mean, is there someone that someone that you can like have an extra option to save that dies in your path or no? No, I nobody really dies in my path. Gotcha. Like mine's my path is pretty much is pretty like happy go lucky kind of path because leading up to the time skip, like everybody makes this promise that they'll meet back at the monastery in like five years or whatever is like a reunion because they're all such great friends or whatever, and it's supposed to help strengthen these bonds of this alliance, right? Because the alliance is made up all these noble and like these people from all these walks of life that comprise like this council or whatever and led by the alliance leader um who later becomes claude but like the point is like every five years they're going to meet up and do this class reunion thing so coincidentally after you make the promise you fall off a cliff the next day and wake up five years later (laughs) so when you wander your ass back to garen mock of course Claude being like Claude who is so much like the like Aladdin Prince Charming fucking character archetype it's ridiculous like of course he's there waiting for you and he's like I knew you'd be back buddy teach oh pal and like of course uh, you have to clear out Garen Mach of a bunch of bandits and thieves who have taken up residence there since it's been everybody's been kicked out and uh, then everybody manages everybody in your class shows back up along with everybody that you've recruited um, minus uh, the ones that of course were um, from the empire. Um, and then you basically uh, it basically becomes a trek to find out what happened to Rhea is basically where the the, the path kind of takes you at first because the alliance is kind of in turmoil nobody knows what's happened to dimitri everybody kind of knows like edelgard's this is now the empire and is leading this war and putting a ton of pressure on both the war fronts and the empire and the alliance and claude's plan is if he can somehow rally this army of uh loyal alliance soldiers along with the returning church soldiers who are returning to Garenmach after spending all their time looking for Edelgard, I mean, for Rhea, he can take this force and sort of put an end to the war, and all those uh, Imperial supporters in the Alliance will, of course, uh, switch back, because they their only reason they're wishy-washy now is because they're the ones directly on the border 
with the Empire. Um, so you're led into the three-way battle um, between the three at uh, whatever the field's name is. I can't think of it. Uh, you do that. Dimitri dies uh, attempting to get revenge. Uh, Dedu basically is like, I'm going to get revenge. So that's when that whole shit happens. But essentially, you go... Um, you you proceed to defeat Edelgard, but then you find out about these um, those who slither in the dark that they have been manipulating things behind the scenes. Rhea confirms this, uh, and when you go to fight their leader to destroy them to save Fodlin and open it up to sort of outside the outside world, which is Claude's goal. Um, he, uh, he attempts to like rain down all these magic missiles and essentially Rhea turns into a dragon and takes the hit and, uh, you, um, and doing this, her being defeated awakens Nemesis and then you have to go defeat Nemesis who is like this old corrupted, um, version of like this hero of ages type character in the mythology and you defeat nemesis and all his undead boogity bads and then uh fodlin's sort of united into this new sort of alliance structure where the kingdom still is kind of a thing and like there's just it's it's this new open alliance thing with claude in charge and of course you as why left take over as in charge of the um the religion or the church of Sirius or whatever. And that's the golden deer route. But yes, I, it, my understanding is that you get the most purview and resolution to the plot is the golden deer route. I feel like the Edelgard route has a pretty good conclusion too. And how does that go? Okay. So Edelgard's whole like thinking is that, the church is being run by like a alien or whatever, because that's what Rhea is like a giant dragon. And all these giant dragons are basically like what people have to go through. Like the way the, the country's run is by these crest system. And she thinks it's bullshit that like you're basically uh, uh, anointed by birth or like, unless you're a, like, unless you have a crest, you're, you're garbage. And so she wants to make it an equal state. And so she was. <laughs> That's funny because the alliance isn't that way. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of people in the alliance that don't have crests. Like, I think there's well, like yeah. more than a few in the Golden Deer House that don't have crests. So, like, but calling bullshit. She, she wants to get rid of all the crests so everyone's equal. That's what her ideology is. Okay. So the only way to do that is to get rid of Rhea, uh-huh. and so. So that's why she wants to uh, reunite the empire. Um, so, like I said before, uh, you can pick uh, by going to her uh, where she gets anointed as emperor. Um, you get to pick her side, which is what I did. Um, and then uh, Rhea turns into like this giant dragon. Um, and I think no matter which side you pick, everyone gets like the worst version of themselves. So Rhea starts turning into like this evil. Um, she's basically trying to get her her mom back, which is who is trapped within Byleth at this point. And uh, so the next battle after you side with Byleth is you go and take over the monastery, and you kill a couple of the people in the church, and you get the monastery back. And then Rhea turns into a dragon, 
And that's when uh, she like knocks you out and you fall into the river and you wake up five years later somehow. Um, <clears throat> see, then the time jump happens. Uh, and basically everything's at a standstill at this point. The Alliance still has their area. The kingdom still has their area and everyone's been basically fighting to a, a, a standstill. Um, so when you, the lines held together by Claude, and then um, what to unite the, the rest of the country with your power and everything, you first go after Claude's side, um, you take him out, so that way you can get control of all those lands, and all the people there are um, loyal to the Empire, so then you get those forces, and you take those forces, and you go after the kingdom, who... Um, when you took over the monastery, the church retreated to the kingdom, and uh, was it Dimitri is the the king and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go and fight them, uh, and in that fight, uh, you fight Dimitri and Dedu, and uh, Rhea shows up too. So you're like all of them are on the battlefield with like all these monsters. So it's a pretty a pretty intense battle. Um, and at a certain point, Dedu when you when you he uses a crest stone and becomes a giant demonic beast. Uh, you take him, and when you take him out and uh, Dimitri, Rhea, she uh, retreats. So you win that battle, and then the last battle is you go to like the the empire or the kingdom's uh, town, and one of her tactics is to set the town on fire, and she turns into a giant dragon, and you have to you know beat all your former. Uh, all the former students that are left in uh, I think there's only a couple at that point. And then as you're going through that battle, there's like fire everywhere. So unless you have a flying mount, you're going to be taking damage. And it's really, that's a really interesting battle as well. Um, and then after that, you re, you know, basically you destroy, like when you destroy Rhea, like you turn back to your original color and then um, you marry, I guess you can marry Edelgard if you choose to. If that's a choice you made at the, like, I think at the before the last battle, I don't know if it's on, for your guys' version as well. Like you can pick who your love interest is. Um, but you don't really so. pick. I don't think. I think it comes down to your highest relationship and who you spent the most time to. I think it's like an automatic thing. Well, well I think if it, to pick from if you get the ring, you probably oh. didn't get the ring out of the journal. Yeah. I guess oh yeah, I you get it. the. Yeah, there's a ring you get from your dad's journal, right? So then you can pick who you want to give the ring to at okay. the end. So uh, that's who your love interest becomes. Um, so mine was Edelgard, and then we became she became uh, emperor, united all the nations, and lived happily ever after. So. All right. But I thought it was a. It's interesting. All all three sides of those stories are pretty interesting. Yeah, we need, none of us experienced experienced the fourth side, but that's fine. I like a, I think I it, a plot summary I can read. And I think but it's the, pretty close to the Golden Deer route. I think you still fight Nemesis in that version, don't you? No. The okay. thing I want to add, I want to add one more thing. Uh, the like the Death Knight, he like shows up and helps you, but you never get to really control him. And like the, those who slither in the dark are like a necessary ally to take out Rhea. And then her goal is after that. Yeah, that's what happens like in the storyline afterwards where you have to go through and systematically take out those who slither in the dark because of their tactics. She doesn't agree with them. 
and like burning down villages and all the other stuff that they did, she doesn't agree with. So, but at that point, she had to ally with them to take down Rhea. That was her reasoning. Okay. All right. So, well, no worries. We can we can move on to things we like didn't like about the story here. Um, what are some things you liked and didn't like about the story here, Nick? Um. Well, at least from my path, I liked the I liked how my path was more of a focus on the characters as opposed to the overarching plot, which I couldn't really give less shits about. Okay. Um, like I don't care about like because there's some stuff that happened that we didn't really touch on. Like Edegard was experimented on by the church. That's how she got to have uh, her crest. I think she's got two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the only way to get two crests, I think there's another character that has two yeah, crests, Lysithea or whatever. Yeah, you basically get like a blood transfusion of that crest. Yep, and then you can get that crest, but it's like a lot of experimenting, and it's very painful apparently. And it killed it killed most of the kids that it happened to. I think Lysithea right. says that yep. in one of the cutscenes. Yeah, and then there's also experiments that happened on Byleth that are so he doesn't have a heart because or she they were born I guess stillborn. Mm-hmm. And so they implanted a crest stone in directly into where the heart was supposed to be. So that's how it's, it happens a couple times during the game where they say he's doesn't have a heartbeat, but he's got uh, like, but he's alive still. Mm-hmm. It's due um, to the crest and what what uh, Rhea did to him as a baby. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a different way to go about things, which was neat. Um, but yeah, like I like the focus being on. Uh, Demetrius' redemption in his route uh, a lot because I like I guess I like that uh, trope with characters. Um, it didn't bother me that I didn't really fight any of the those who slither in the dark dudes because I thought they were shitty villains anyway. Yeah, they were very tropey. Um, and what bothered me on Edelgard's route or, or fighting Edelgard and stuff was that she was, just seemed like a mindless zealot. Almost, almost as bad as the people she was claiming to fight against were, because mm-hmm. she, like, she did all these ruthless things, pretty much slaughtered all kinds of people just because they were in the way and kind of shit. So, I, I had a hard time trying to reconcile, I guess, how she could be c- correct when she was essentially being a villain, like even working with the villains. So I, I think I think it comes down to like you're not wrong like like unless you play a very specific path Edelgard definitely comes off as a villain and it's very hard to reconcile the information you're given from that other storyline with what's happening but that being said I feel like this was more successful at doing what it wanted to do over the fates version of this dual st- storytelling I feel like this did a better job at doing it than that game did. Yeah, most definitely. So, um, yeah. There was something, fuck, that I really liked, but you started talking. I forgot all about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just good. wanted to comment on your Edelgard thing. Jesus. You don't have to make me feel like a piece of shit about it. It's all good. It's all good. So, Maybe it'll come back to me. If it comes back to you. Um things i liked i did like sort of like i said i feel like this is a better version of uh fates that sort of fate system where you're getting multiple views on the story um i guess i 
as far as things I didn't like, it didn't feel very, uh, at least my path, and a lot of it didn't feel very Fire Emblem-y. Like, I, I, I've always, Fire Emblem's always been really political heavy up front, and then gets sort of mad. Like, this just felt a little too high fantasy for Fire Emblem, like, and just, like, the story being based out of a church and being so heavily tied into religion just kind of, I don't know, just, it wasn't for me. Um, And maybe that was the path I chose, because, like, the Golden Deer, most of the people in that storyline are very, like, devout followers of the church. Like, Claude is super distrustful of Rhea, but it's sort of like everyone else is sort of, like, on the board, so the church is sort of a tool that needs to be worked with and like used to your advantage in that regard. Um, but it, it, those was, it just, it felt awkward to me. Like it didn't feel very much like, uh, a fire emblem sort of story until the Edelgard twist slash, uh, the empire is now invading and now we have actual, um, fighting to do. Other than that, everything was sort of just kind of run of the mill, uh, plot wise for me. It wasn't super duper interesting. Um, I didn't really. I, I I found myself being drawn forward more about just wanting to beat the game and play the game than I was about what happens next, which is always unfortunate when that happens. But I did keep playing and I beat it in good time, so it's not like it um, fully took me out either. Kujo, things you liked, didn't like? Uh. I like the characters. I like recruiting the characters. And like when you got to know them, they got them to their S class. Um, you know, you got some really deep uh, knowledge of them. And I think it fleshed them out really well. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, I, I like the Edelgard side of like everyone's, like all your guys' playthroughs were like the same with Edelgard. But I like that her, like you get to see more of her reasonings and her side of the story. And I thought that her side was interesting. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with it, I kind of like liked it. Like I liked sure. her reason. Like I, t- I totally understood where she was coming from after she was experimented on all this stuff for Cress. Why she would think that way? Like she saw like a lot of her brothers and sisters get killed, and people just have many as many kids as they want until or they need to until you know someone has a crest. So I get why she wants to get rid of that whole system. It made sense to me. Well, maybe her actions don't justify it, but I did understand it, so I liked that whole story. So the, the thing I didn't really like is that some of the stuff wasn't fleshed out all the way, where you you kind of had to read some stuff to kind of understand why, or or like they only mentioned it one time, like you know uh, the Death Knight is the fencing guy, but they, if you it's like one sentence, and then if you don't catch it. You know, I didn't catch it at first, and I didn't understand what was going on for some of the parts, so I had to look it up. So that kind of was annoying to me. Okay. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed the story. Uh, I did. I do get, agree with you. Like towards the end, you're just kind of playing to finish it. Like the, I think the first half was stronger than the second half, at least on my part, because you know where it was going. There wasn't really much surprises at that point. Like, you got to take out this alliance, you got to do this, and then you fight, you know, the dragon at the end, and that was it. So I kind of get that point, too. So. All right. Um, Nick, did your uh, your good point come back to you? Uh, yeah. So uh, it came back from here and Kudo talk about Edelgard, I guess. So I like that 
two of the characters pretty much suffer from PTSD, but they react to it in different ways. So Edelgard's got PTSD from those experiments and stuff that happened to her. And like Dimitri's got like survivor's guilt. That's what fucks him up. And I like how they, I guess, uh, use that for the narrative for each of the respecting characters in their routes and how it developed off of that as opposed to just being some kind of generic, um, oh, this person's crazy. We don't really give you a reason why. They're just crazy and go along with it kind of thing. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, well, um, let's go ahead and score it. Since Nick, uh, you you had her point. What's what's your score? Uh, I'll, I'll give it a four as well. All right. Uh, I mean, it's. I like that the three or I guess four different plot paths are distinct after the time skip. Um, typically, you don't get that. Usually, you get like everything's the same except for different choices you made, like who's alive, who's not alive. Mm-hmm. It's generally the same plot. In this one, it's. They're distinct paths, and it gives you a lot of, or four distinct paths, and it gives you a, a lot of reason to replay it. Yep, and which we will get to later. Um, Kujo, score, uh, score the story for me. Yeah, I'm going to go four as well. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it, but some, like I said, some of the parts where if you don't pay attention 100%, you're going to miss some stuff, and things weren't as fleshed out as I would like. And then towards the end, you, you kind of get kind of a little uh, draggy. All right, I'm gonna just stick track with everybody at four. Um, you know, it's 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 good, not uh, not great, you know, for sure. It's better than average. Uh, there's some stuff that doesn't really coalesce the way it'd be nice to, but it is what it is. So next up is our second musical break. It is Nick's pick. Uh, what did you pick, Nick, and why? Uh, just got a, one last statement about the story. Is it's way better than fucking Fates, and that's oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, I picked Tearing Through Heaven, uh, the Rain version, which I guess is Player Phase version. Um, it's the, I want to say it's the battle, uh, the player battle theme you get when you're pre-time skip. Okay. All right. And I liked it. That's why I'm picking it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to listen to that. When we get back, we'll talk about visuals and music. everybody let's see how we feel about things looked i guess um we'll start with kujo how do you feel things look there buddy what worked for you what didn't work for you i thought everything looked uh very good i'm not the best judge on this kind of stuff but uh 
I didn't have any issues with like clipping or like running into like in stuck or anywhere. So everything looked good. And I played on the big screen. Um, I didn't think there was like a, any frame rate drops or anything like that. I thought it looked uh, everything ran smoothly for me. Um, but I don't pay as much attention to to that as a lot, a lot of people do. Um, one of the things I really liked was how the character models did change after the time skipped. I thought mm-hmm. that was cool. Yeah. Um, but Violet's didn't change, which was kind of well, dumb. He, I thought he was laying still in a coma for five years. Of course, he's he didn't even change his clothes. He probably didn't shower. He probably stunk to high heaven. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Just give him a fucking new outfit, Jesus. Like, I don't know. Uh, but other than that, that, they spent that part of the budget on having him change before the time skip. Yeah, there his you hair go. filler. Yeah. yeah, and you got the new, you got that new, uh, like high collared, uh, enlightened one outfit. So, yeah, I guess. But um, other than that, I don't, I don't really have anything else to add. All right, Nick, what about you? How do you feel about how the game looked? Uh, I thought it looked pretty good. Um, I mean, it looked really good. It looked a lot better than PS4 games that came out, but uh. I didn't appreciate. I guess as this, I'm a stickler for this kind of shit. Like I don't like that uh, every character had a unique look, and then um, you put them in a class and they all look the same. Uh, like the same, I guess, skin for that class, like with just different color changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked when they uh, were post time skip and they had unique outfits for, and they they kept that outfit for whatever class they were quote unquote supposed to be in. Yeah. Uh, but then you change it to a class that they're not supposed to be in, and it goes back to that just generic fucking look. And I'm like, yeah. don't really like that. I like my characters to stand out a little bit. Like, somebody spent time designing a unique look for the character, and I think that's great. I like that. But then you just kind of throw it away when you change class, which is dumb to me. But I think I whatever. read somewhere that's... one of the upcoming uh, patches slash DLC is that you can change them to look to any of the appearances you've unlocked independent of the class other than of course the mount oh that'd be cool i guess but i think you can change it uh after you beat the game right mm, you can make it Maybe. i think you can give like i've played around it for a little bit you can change it to any hairstyle uh outfit oh. that you already that you already had at but only a new game plus oh okay, oh, okay. and That's it's only it's and so it's only in stuff that you already got so if you haven't got any of course you can okay Makes sense. all right that's okay. cool. Well, that's a little better, but uh, yeah, I mean that's my real big stickler. And then, oh, I didn't like some of the designs for some of the classes. They felt odd. Yeah. To look at, but I, that's just me being, I guess. Like the grappler, thing. like why would you have a shoulder pad that's bigger than your head if you're a brawler? Yeah, that well, was even silly. Same for the warrior. Yeah, I didn't get it. It's to show, like, it's to show that. Yes, yeah, to show that's how good you are. You're so skilled. Those spikes don't have any problem. You don't have no right. problem. <laughs> so I get the big fantasy armor thing, but like when your whole shtick is like your light armor, like brawler, like that seems like the wrong design. Like if, like I, I'm all about the big fantasy armor. Like if you're supposed to be a big juggernaut of heavy armor, sure, make it big, big and spiky and impractical. But if you're just supposed to be like in a battle harness with some fist weapons, like come on. Like, why do I have a shoulder pad that I could poke a Pegasus butthole with? Like, it makes no fucking <laughs> sense. All right? So... It um, was funny, though. If you pick Cyril, then go through all his class changes. 
kid. Like he seeing this little kid in big fucking hulking. Oh, that was the same same thing was super funny with all the like the little female characters. Like you put them in like the preview in like big ass armor. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like the I killed time, that. I, I killed that little kid. Like the time with uh, like uh, like the Hilda spent time as like the uh, what is it? The heavy, heavy the fortress knight. Fortress knight. Like she looked ridiculous. Like this big ass set of armor and this little head with pink pigtails poking out the top. It was it was hysterical. Especially the way she like jumps around and like throws the axe around when she wins. She's like Hilda, Hilda. I'm like all right, calm yourself, lady. All right, right, but um, I thought I thought it looked good. Uh, Claude's uh, unique Wyvern Rider skin or Wyvern Lord skin the for the Barbosa. It's like this white Wyvern. It looks badass, one hundred percent. Like every, I think everybody. It was really cool to see everybody post time skip. Like it started to be like, all right, what does so and so look like after the? You got to see all the people you've kind of come to know, like grown up, and that was that was that was uh, totally cool. Um, oh, I just remembered. Did your Edelgard get like a third outfit towards like the last couple chapters? It was like an emperor thing. Did you guys get like a second outfit for your? Yes. Yeah, so like, after time skip, Claude has a unique Wyvern Lord uh, class. It's not the actual Wyvern Lord. It's something else because it's got some additional abilities and it related to bows. And then after a while, he's gifted something that uh, basically is a symbol of his station. And that's when he unlocks the Barbosa class, which is yet another special class that's sort of like Wyvern Lord, but he's got the the white Wyvern. Um, and that was pretty badass. Cool, cool. So, um, visuals for me, I'm going to give them uh, four and a half. Nick? I'm with the four and a half. Kujo? I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go four and a half as well. All in unison on this game. Uh, music. All right, so I'm going to start off here. Like, it's not that the music in this game is bad. Okay, I don't want to say that. I just will say that I was overly unimpressed. So when we sat down to pick songs for the show, like, I really struggled. Like, there weren't a ton that I found, like, I would get super hype about hearing or anything like that. There's a ton of different tracks in this game because apparently there's a whole bunch of changes between like each of the uh, paths you choose. And that's awesome. I appreciate the work that went in, but I feel like it would have been better if they used the same pieces and the pieces were better or more memorable or something. It's not that they're bad. They're just slightly above average for me. Not something that I would revisit, um, honestly. So for me, music's getting a three and a half. You guys can be different. I just didn't care for it. That's where I was. Nick, how'd you feel about the music and score it? Um, I thought the music was fitting where it was, but like you said, I don't think anything was really memorable. I did, however, like stop playing for like a week or two and then went back to playing it and uh, listened to like the, the battle music. And I, I guess I got like a flash of nostalgia or something. And I'm not really sure how to explain it, but I was like, man, this is a really good song. And then that lasted like two or three fights, and then I was just kind of over it again. Yeah. But I guess it's uh, how I would describe it would be that it is good for what it is, but it's nothing that'll stick with you. Adequate, but forgettable. Yeah. Uh, what do you score? So I'll give it a three. 
All right. Kojo, where are you at? Uh, I didn't really notice much about the uh, soundtrack. It didn't annoy me, so that's a good thing. So uh, I didn't have any favorite tracks or anything that I can remember. Uh, but the one thing I did really enjoy that I couldn't wait for after every chapter was whoever the voiceover guy was is amazing. Oh, 100%. So like, he'd be like, Chapter 9, Garrick Mock, Millennium Festival. You know, whatever, however his voice is, like, and he would do his whole little spiel, and I would just sit there and enjoy that and let it, it wash, his, his voice just wash over me. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like you were hard just like I was. I mean, that's fine. That's I, fine. I was... It's fine. I was just so excited. I was just sad <laughs> when it ended. But that I thought was I don't know who that guy is, but he needs to be doing more voiceover work because it was amazing. All right, what are you going to score? I, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to play a little snippet here or something or or whatever of the of his voice so some people can hear it. But uh, here, let's see. I yeah. think this is this will play here. Let's see. The cause of sorrow. There you go. It's playing some of that. Right. You guys probably can't hear it. No. Though most stars will still glimmer in the crisp winter air, the blue sea star has gone back into hiding. Yeah, there's a little piece of that. Yeah, so that that every chapter was nice. A nice little uh, start to the chapter get me a little pumped up, I guess. But uh, so yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it a four based on not the music. Not, I'm not hating the music, and that narrator was awesome. All right. Well, our final musical break, or third musical break, not our final one. Our third one is you. What did you pick and why? Uh, I picked Fondled Winds, Thunder version, because it sounded the best to me, and I had like two minutes to pick it. All right. He had more than two minutes, but we're going to let him have it. We're going to listen to that, and we come back, we're talking about overall experience <laughs> and extra content. Like I say every time, overall experience for me is expectation versus reality. And let's face it, anytime, it doesn't matter how many times I get burned, anytime I sit down to play a new Fire Emblem game, I'm gonna, the hype is gonna be moderate to high, okay? And there were certain things that sort of let me down or threw me off. Like it took a little while for me to get into it because of the the weird new exploration phase stuff, the way you had to manage your time. It did, it just overall, it felt janky when you're getting uh, like story beats, but then you're not actually resolving that story beat for a month, 
when some of that stuff seemed pretty pressing, why the fuck is it taking a month to get there? It's just kind of weird. It was kind of jarring. Um, but overall, not bad. I enjoyed it. I obviously ripped right through it um, and had a good time at it. It just wasn't, it wasn't like uh, Fates kind of disappointing. And it wasn't really disappointing. It just didn't live up to the hype. So for me, overall experience is only going to get a four. I know that seems it's only a four, but it like a Fire Emblem should be a five. So four is kind of a scathing indictment. If you ask me, uh, Nick, overall experience. I'm kind of there. There, I didn't like. I haven't explored the monastery so much because not because it was bad, like it was an okay like experience, but because it, it felt like it took way too much of my fucking time. Yeah. That, like if I were to sit down for like an hour, I'd spend an hour in the monastery, walking around, talking to everybody, looking for lost items, looking for the random. Items that would pop up, maybe do a little fishing, do gardening in the greenhouse. Uh, if I got supports that randomly popped up, make sure to listen to those supports. Look for any quests that popped up. Um, go eat at the cafeteria, do the choir thing, do the... It was chores. Advice it was box. just a chore. Yeah, it's like playing like a like a, a phone game and having to do dailies. Every time your daily list is refreshed, go back to the monastery and explore. Okay. And then after that, like I only ever went exploring the first of the month after I got enough uh, shit straight, like where I knew what I was doing. And then I just spent the rest of the time doing battles past the time. Yep. Every month because I was like, this is, I guess I could have skipped shit and just kept going on with the story faster, but. Yeah, no, the last three chapters or so, I didn't do anything those months. Like I literally just, I, w- I might have rested the first time and the rest I just skipped right to the event because I was just done. I was like, all right, I don't need to do any more of this. I'm already yeah. murdering through stuff. Like, why am I going to make it even easier and make it more boring? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but overall, I enjoyed the game. I definitely looked forward to playing it when I was playing it. So I'll give it a four and a half. All right. And you, Kuja? Yeah, I'm going to give it a four and a half as well. Uh, I really, like, having no, I really didn't have any expectations. Like, I didn't know what to expect and i was pleasantly surprised how great it was like i did, i wasn't really planning on playing <clears throat> much <clears throat> uh switch this year because i was just my plan was to try to get a bunch of plats in playstation and i don't know i was reading about this game and i heard a bunch of hype about it and then when it came out everyone was kind of like this game is awesome and i played it and it was awesome i mean like we like we talked about there's some uh stuff that doesn't work or is not as great as it could be so that's why I'm going to get a four and a half. I, I loved my time with it, and I put 80 hours into it, and I enjoyed it. All so. right. Excellent. So next up is extra content. And for me, um, I like I really want to play the new game plus on this thing. Harder difficulty. I want to see Edelgard's route. Um, I want to focus on other characters. Uh, you know, there is stuff that makes me want to play more of this game even though i've beaten it so for me that's that's always a good sign like if i want to go play more of it even after completing the part that i digested and having those additional story paths i do think makes it um those three distinct story paths makes it more replayable for sure so for me extra content is getting a four and a half nick where are you on extra content 
I'll go to five because you can replay the different routes. You can replay the same route, use different characters. Like you can recruit as many characters, recruit no characters. If you recruit certain characters and you have them fight characters in the same route you didn't recruit, they have different voice lines. Like apparently Felix, if you fight uh, Ingrid and Dimitri and Sylvain uh, with him recruited and have them initiate combat with them, like it gets really depressing and shit. So you can. You can do that kind of mix-up with all the characters. You could make your characters mages one time. You can make them all uh, paladins another time. You could try a single character challenge if you want. Uh, you can do like there's almost like there's thousands of hours. I could see somebody who really likes the game putting into it, just doing random different fucking shit just for the hell of it. And so I. There's a lot to do that's different than it would be in a normal, like, tactics game. 100%. What about you, Kucha? Yeah, I'll agree. I'll give it a five. Uh, like Nick said, there's so much to do, and there's different, you know, three other... There's actually four paths, not three. And there's probably going to there's probably gonna be another more... There's going to be more they're going to add on later uh, through DLC that I think is still coming out. So... I think at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot more to do on this game. So, yeah, I'll give it five. All right. Our final musical break of the evening is Nick's What Did You Choose and Why? Uh, I chose Tempest of Rains, or Tempest of Seasons, the rain version, uh, which yeah. is just the post time skip, uh, Blue Lines Path, player combat music. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, we're going to listen to that. When we come back, we're talk about we're just going to wrap it up and talk about what's next. So, uh, see you in a bit. So, uh, that was our Fire Emblem review. What's next? Our next review will be Cosmic Star Heroine. After that, we're leaning very heavily towards uh, Lupia 2. Um, so, that's that's likely where we're going to go, but we'll see where we're at after that. Um, you know, of course, we don't want to lock in too much ahead of time because that makes us nervous now. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what's coming up. Uh, anybody have anything to add before I wrap this thing up and get us out of here? Uh, what's your favorite characters? Uh, I, I can go for mine if you want. Uh, mine's okay. probably. I mean, I use Petra a lot. Like, I I tweaked her out. Then Lestasia was a pretty uh awesome mage. 
Uh, Petra's the mage of the two crests, right? No, that's the uh, Petra is the sword uh, sword chick with the uh, accent. Oh, the one from the other country. Yeah, I liked her too. Um. Oh, I would like to have something I add, to add. I didn't talk about earlier in the story. It was weird that after the time skip, some of the uh, support conversations were definitely like by the characters pre time skip. Like, so you have all these character growth and people that have their personalities have changed post time skip, talking like a child again with their grown up character model. It was weird. Hmm. Like, I, I understand that. why it's a thing, but it was still weird. So, they could have done the shitty thing and lock you out of those supports. That's true. That's do. true. That's true. It was, I'm just saying it's weird. Um, but yeah, you got anything to add, Nick? Or no, what are your favorite characters? I'm sorry. I um, mean, I don't know that I had any, I guess. I like Dimitri a lot. Nick was his um, favorite character. <laughs> what? I said Nick was your favorite character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I liked everybody. I recruited everybody. The only people that didn't like fucking Edelgard. All right. Play All right. He didn't so. like fucking Edelgard. I don't know why. She probably stayed dry. All right. Who are your favorite characters, Kuja? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite characters was Felix. I thought he was pretty cool. Um, he gets like a cool little shield if you do one of the side routes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Catherine when she, you know, when you first see her, she has that badass sword. Uh, Ferdinand, I liked him. Casper, like you know those little jokey characters. Petra, um, definitely like Edelgard and Hubert because uh, once you kind of like understand Hubert's like he's like the the guy that keeps Edelgard safe. So some of the stuff you you learn that he does is pretty cool. And I think my favorite one of my favorite characters in the game was the gatekeeper guy. I don't know if you guys talk to him every time, but the guy at the where the gate is at the start where like right where before you get to the uh the merchant area the little merchant area that gatekeeper guy i really liked his uh upbeat personality really uh really enjoyed that okay good to know all right uh so likes every character in the kuja we gotta get you to play some better fire emblems when that when i get you one of those game boy advance consoleizers so you can play game boy advance on your tv i'm gonna i'm gonna do that for you so you can fucking play good game boy i've been good uh fire emblem games i'm sure they'll remake it eventually uh, that's possible alright so let's wrap this thing up you can visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com you can follow us on twitter at therpgpodcast the RPG show on facebook is where you find us there you can email us podcast at therpgshow.com be sure to leave us a rating review on itunes they're important if you haven't left five or six already you need to make sure you go ahead and make some new accounts and leave those um what else be sure to listen to our buddies blaine and james over at the is it worth it podcast part of the retro rpg podcast feed spoilers it's not worth it <laughs> good god <laughs> yes oh gonna get some battles going well you said I, there's shit talking uh, it's so, it's, yeah. it's i guess it's 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 better than the whole like uh like back and forth like uh Nick being a better co-host than James thing that went on for a while. If we could just not do that again, that'd be great. Oh, I still wanted oh, to have the battle of the co-hosts. It never happened. It's a shame. Anyway, they should, bo- 
They should both just do a podcast together. See what happens. Uh, it's uh, sure. It sounds like a brilliant plan. Uh, let's. God, why do we... I don't even know where to go with this shit? Like Nick's got to bring us down last minute all the time. Whatever. It is what it is. So, uh, I think I said all the things. Join our Discord. Links to that on the website. That's where all the cool people talk. So, uh, yep. Until next time. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Don't leave me. I'm back. I'm back. Damn slugs. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus.